Hello, fellow travelers. Uh, thank you for joining me again. Uh, this is episode 24 of The Unbroken Ground. My name is Paul, and I'm excited for you to join me. We're just going to continue to talk a little bit about uh, Christianity and following Jesus and uh, just kind of see where we land today. No no real specific uh, plan for the month of June. Um, so very excited just to kind of uh, talk through um some ideas and and think out loud about some stuff and and hopefully again challenge you to um, to be uh, a, a much stronger follower of Christ to to think through theology and and Christianity um, in a deeper way uh, not just in a surface level so yeah that is that is what it's uh, what we're gonna do uh, again just kind of uh, talking through some various um, subjects about following Jesus and um, working through just um, a couple of different Bible stories. Uh, and yeah, that's that's it. If you have questions or comments, always you can find me on Facebook at the Facebook forward slash The Unbroken Ground or uh, email ground at gmail.com or again on, on Instagram. Uh, so yeah, we're going to dive in. I think uh, I think the thing that I want to talk to you or about in this podcast, just kind of think out loud a little bit, is about the idea of of sin and in a, in a sense of the sins that the church, uh, the, the common popular Christianity culture, seems to um, deal with differently than um, other types of sin. And uh, I think that part of that's just just culture. Um, and I think that um, we need to have a deeper understanding of what it is uh, we are called to be. Um, I think Jesus calls us to be the light of the world, to, to be on the, the city on the hill, uh, the, the, to be the salt that that seasons and saves and preserves the world, um, that we are called to, to be um, in the kingdom of God, that as we do that, as we follow Jesus into his kingdom, as we bring about his kingdom rule, um, that we'll see the world shaped by God. I, I think that, but I think that um, we, uh, we, we struggle uh, because we, as as Christians, um, we we don't know how uh, to handle sin um, because we you know, there's this idea that um, if you get saved, that you shouldn't sin any longer, and which is true. Like that, like you shouldn't. Uh, that should be the goal is to not sin. But for those people who are take seriously their walk with Jesus, if they if they uh, if they were to take a look at their lives, if they were to to study their hearts, they would be like, well, but I still sin. Even even Paul in his later walk would say that um, even as he got closer to Jesus, like as he got closer to who God wanted him to be, he said, uh, it just God just begins continues to reveal 
how sinful his heart, his life truly is. And so in, into, even to the point where he would say a, a good saying is that he, he is the king of all sinners, um, that he is the chief of all sinners. And I think some of that, too, he's pointing back to the fact that, that he persecuted the church, that he persecuted the followers of Christ. And, and as he did that, I, th- I think that he probably still felt some residual guilt, although that had, he no longer was under that guilt that he had been forgiven, and he would write, write about that. But I think that, um, that some of that still weighs his history of who he was, still weighed on him. Um, but um, so there is that sense of like, if you're going to follow Christ, then you are going to walk by the Spirit. And as you walk by the Spirit, as Galatians say, then you no longer um, follow the flesh. But, again, um, if you are any kind of serious believer, um, you will you can find places in your life where you just don't hit the mark, you don't meet the mark of, of what God expects. And, again, sin can be... T- can be what you do. A sin can be what you do. And it also can be the sin of omission. It can be what you don't do. Like God is saying, hey, you should do this, and yet you don't. Um, God's saying you should do this, um, and or you sh- God says you shouldn't do this, and you do. Like th- those are, both of those are, are, are sins. And I think that uh, growing up historically, um, I definitely saw uh, a shift in how um, how we treated different types of sin. Um, and, and even if you just look at like the idea of um, the relationships uh, in America circling uh, based around like marriage. Um, you know, uh, in um, my lifetime, in my lifetime, I have seen the church go from hardline, um, if you got divorced, you you disqualified yourself from service. Um, you you um, you just you you can't be a pastor. Um, to a place where you don't even really hear um, many sermons on divorce. To where we don't even talk about um, divorce uh, as like, hey, this is. This is a devastating thing. Like like Jesus um, even talked about it. He's like you can't you can't separate what God has put together. And we know that um, there are some real world complications. There's real real world um, wounds that happen because of things like divorce. And so um, we we've kind of but it's become so common in our culture that um, you just you just don't. You know, you don't hear people. You don't hear sermons about it. Um, you there's so many people, and and then and then what? So what happens, or why some of this happens, is because there's such a multifaceted understanding of relationships, of connections, of why divorce happens. That that suddenly it's like, well, yeah, you can't just preach from a pulpit like, oh, all divorced people are bad. Um, if you've listened to the interviews in, uh, on this podcast, you know that I interviewed my friend Chris, who's, who's been divorced because his wife basically um, cheated on him and left him. Um, so so he's, a, he's divorced. You know, it was like, oh, we'll make an exception for him. But, but okay. Yeah. But it's hard to do that uh, if all you're doing is... Um, proclaiming one thing from, say, a pulpit, from a sermon. Uh, 
And I think that um, we have to figure out how to be more nuanced, better, uh, better at um, thinking and talking about what it means to follow Jesus and, and how sin fits into that. And then also we have to be more aware that, that, um, the Holy Spirit is actually the, is the, is the one that convicts and the one that changes people. And so we, we have to, to be able to, to be able to, to say and know and, and to explain the truth, but also in, in a way that is, um, loving. Uh, and, and so we don't, we don't want to water down what the truth is, but we also want to balance that with, with a relationship. Cause I think, I think truth without relationship is not love. And, and so, um, if all you want to do, um, is give truth, but, but, but there's no relationship with that, it doesn't cost you anything. Like is justice really justice if it doesn't cost you anything. It's a, a lyric from a song I listen to, but I but it makes me think about this. And I think it, it comes back to like this idea that things like um, divorce, which have now become just kind of accepted. Um, I, I, I think it's crazy. I, I have um, I've heard more situations um, in the last five years. I've heard more situations where where um, one person in the relationship, uh, this marriage relationship, sometimes they're kids, sometimes there's not, just decides that they're like, yeah, I just, I just don't want to be married anymore. Um, and so they're like, I, 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 I've fallen out of love. I, I didn't, I thought I wanted to be married, but I, but I don't. And, and it's just, um, heartbreaking because usually it's, it's not, um, both people like, um, I know of very, very specific situations where um, one person was like, I'm out, and the other person's like, but I don't want to be, but they, they can't, you can't force somebody to stay, you can't um, force someone to, um, you know, you, you can't coerce somebody to love you, um, and, um, and it's just heartbreaking, and so I think, I think as you, as we think about that, um, like it's, it's just this idea that if we are, if we are going to be, um, if we're going to be the people of truth, which we should be, um, we have to balance that out with love, which means that we have to have, um, a relationship. So, so if you come along somebody and you're like, well, divorce is wrong. Um, Jesus says so in the New Testament. If you, you can find it, that he says you, you're not, you shouldn't divorce. Um, even though there is an allowance uh, in the Mosaic Law to do so, he said, you know, don't let. Uh, so if you come along somebody and you're like, divorce is wrong, um, then you have to be ready to to walk with them in their shoes. You have to be ready to um, understand who they are, where they're coming from, um, and that just changes how you. Um, interact with them and and I think that like a lot of this um, this comes down to is that we um, we really focus on sins that are that are not usually found especially as, as I was growing up you know especially as I was growing up we focused on sins that were not really found in our culture 
Um, so for example, like homosexuality, like we, we were like, oh, it's so bad. It's, it's, it's evil. And, um, God hates homosexuals. And, and that was the kind of language that we had. And, and it led to some very bad things that people like when you're like, oh, God hates them. I can kill them and it's okay. Or we had things like the Westboro Baptist church where they, um, at funerals would parade and be like, yeah. And, and some of that is, and, and again, some of that is because it wasn't in our culture where, where people were, were out in, and about dealing with that. That was the other people. And especially if you think back, and, and I grew up uh, in the 80s and 90s, but as you think back in the 80s, um, that was kind of a culture that had, that was around um, a lot of drugs. Um, it was based around a lot of um poor life decisions and those type of things and so they weren't it wasn't really you know the the uh the southern white collar blue collar christians that were dealing with us and so it became easy to make that a target um and so i just began to think about like what if we like what would we um what what would happen uh if jesus came back and um he spent some time with you, or what if you 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 got to you got to interview Jesus and and he was back and he was like, all right, Jesus, dude, give me give it to me straight. What is, what? How do I inherit eternal life? You you probably heard this. Um, we I've done a podcast adjacent to that. I'm not going in the same direction, but a rich a rich young ruler did ask him that, and uh, Jesus understood that. That ruler, um, his love was for his heart was so for money that um, he needed to rid himself of that influence so that he could fully commit to following Christ. And uh, the rich monk young man said, "No, uh, I'm not going to do that." Uh, he didn't say it out loud, but he he went away. And and I just think like if we started to look at the culture of America. And, and if as Christians, we said, you know, what if um, God was actually calling us to live in opposite of the capitalistic society that we live in, um, where everything is about, where everything finds, it, finds its worth in a monetary value? Um, what if we instead said, What's the goal of life? Because because if you if you look at the goal, like what the goal of life is, if you if you were to take just just an um, a, a kind of a cross section and said what's the goal of life, most people in America I think are going to say, well, I want to make enough money to be happy. Like I just I just I want like I want to be happy, and and I want to be happy, and and part of that then means that they make enough money that they are happy, and and all of us have different levels of happiness and the things that make us happy but i think um like having enough money to to have the house that you want to to have the number of kids that you want to have the health care that you want to have the cars that the number all of those things to be able to pay for college to to not be in debt like we, those are the things that we um like if you were to say what's a successful american those are the things that we would point to. And, and if you said, um, 
once a successful Christian American, I think you might get that they add on that, well, they also show up at church, or they, they're real good people, or they vote, they vote Republican, or they, they're nice. Um, and, and I just, and I just, in, in my mind, I just began to think, what if, what if Jesus was to come to us here in America, in our capitalistic society, and go, you know, you guys should just sell everything and just come follow me. Um, or, or what if, or what if he said, "Hey, um, you know that church in Acts, that act, the Book of Acts, Acts four, where um, there were people in need, and so somebody who had more would just go sell some of their property, and they would just bring it to the church, and not even get a tax receipt. They would just bring it to the church and just be like, hey, it's yours. It's not mine.' What if you lived like that? And and I think that uh, just the fact that um, already I can hear uh, the arguments of like, well, God doesn't, God's not a God of poverty. God doesn't want us to be poor. God doesn't, God doesn't uh, want us to all to be destitute and wandering around and be homeless. And, and um, he's, he's not calling us to that. And I, and I'm like, yeah, he might be. Like, I, are we close to that? Like, like, I, I, like if, if you think about, the churches, the pastors, the people that attend, the amount of money that they have. Like, what if God called and was like, hey, I want you to give it away. I want you to, I want you to spend it not on yourself, but I want you to spend it on, on other people. Give it away and come follow me. What would we say? What would you say? If, if, you, if you found the teacher, Jesus, the rabbi, who had the words of life, and you said, Jesus, what must I do to have eternal life? And he said, oh, just give it away. Give it all away and come follow me. What would you do? And I, I think, like, I think it just reveals to us then what our society worships. Because I think if you ask that question, I think you'll get a lot of pushback. I think you will um, get people uh, that that are going to um, just again just be like, "Well, God's not God's God's blessings are on me. He just, he doesn't want me to be poor. He he wants me like like he wants me successful. He wants I." He wants me to, to have influence. He wants me to have power. And it might be true. I, I can't speak for everybody. And I'm not even uh, trying to say that, that we ought to be all living in, at the poverty level. But I do think that um, as, as a Christian culture on a whole, I do think we ought to consider what it is that Jesus would look at in our culture, our lives, our churches, and he would say, hey, you, you need to think about this. You need to, you need to do this different. And I, I think um, that um, we, we would find a very different response to the teachings of Jesus if it really, really cost us something. Uh, and that's why I, I don't, 
um, I don't want to dis- I don't even in any way want to disparage the young ruler because he's not any different than you or me. He was very rich. He had lots of stuff. He had ha- he he had happiness. He had comfort. Oh man, we are a, we are a culture that desires comfort. We want the the AC to be at the right amount. We want the the pillows, the beds to fit just perfectly. We want the clothes. We love comfort, and we even worship comfort. Um, we go to churches where we feel comfortable. We go to the we go to churches where they don't do anything outside the realm because um, they 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 that would make it make us uncomfortable. Um, and uh, and so we 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 love it. And I think it's just one of the things that that Jesus so excelled at is that he was able to make the comfortable uncomfortable. He was he was able to get to the real heart of the matter for people, and he would attack the things um, that made us comfortable, and he would drag us into the uncomfortable. He would he would he would do things that um, would make you have to respond. He healed people on the Sabbath. He healed people on the Sabbath because he knew that it would make people begin to question what they believed. And then I think so much of our lives, God invites us into those type of situations. Um, and I think that we, um, we don't always respond because we are afraid um, to move outside of that comfort. And so we don't, so we don't always say, okay, sure, Jesus, I'm going to follow you wherever, wherever you lead, I'm going to go. I've decided to follow Jesus, my cross, my cross before me, the world behind me. And yet, um, when it really comes down to it, is that how we live? And, and then I think that, that if, if we want to get just super uncomfortable, I think then, then as a church, as a culture, um, we have to address the things that, that, that we've just not gotten right. I mean, we have to address the fact that, that we tend to flock to leaders that are charismatic, but often are, are prideful and arrogant and, and abusive in a spiritual sense, sometimes in a physical sense, sometimes in a sexual sense. And we have, we have a, a history of making excuses and, and covering up for them and, and, and hiding their, their abuses and their mistakes. Um, of, of not taking their sins serious, of not taking the, the, the idea of, of this, uh, the pride that they have, the arrogance that they have, and, and the, the destruction that that brings. I mean, it shouldn't be surprising, right? We reap what we sow. And, and so when we, when we flock to leaders who do that, when we don't, when we don't have the courage to say that's not who, how people should be, that's not what you should do, that's not the heart, that's not how you treat people, um, because we say, oh, but look, look at the number of people that are, are attending church. Look at the number of people that are, that are being saved. And we go, oh, well, God must be doing something, so I'm not going to say anything. 
when when we when we fail to address um, the 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 materialism in our in our in our church culture, when we fail to address the fact that we esteem those who are able to make money and large amounts of money and and that we aspire to be like those people not because they're not always sometimes sometimes because they're people of god character but most of the time not because they have godly character but because they have stuff we aspire to be like them we want to be rich we don't want to be rich in godliness we want to be rich in money because money brings us that comfort like we we live in this society because Money brings us that prestige because money is is really where we find safety and comfort. And and that's why I think like when you look back at like COVID and and all the craziness that went on, all the craziness, one of the things that really stuck out was the fact that the richest country, the richest people could do nothing against the virus and they had to sit at home. We had to shut down, regardless of the amount of money that we had, regardless of the amount of materials they had, and it was just so obvious that that there was a there was a plain lesson of God is the only one who's in control, no matter how much money you have. You know, and and the truth is is that no matter how much money you have, you'll be you will find that you'll get sick, and you will die. And you will not take it with you. No one, there's no bank accounts in heaven about how much money you had on earth. There are bank accounts in heaven about what you did to the least of these, about what you did as you as you were serving Jesus. But there's nothing in there about what the amount of money that you had. And and so I think that um, we fall too easily as a church into the trap of disliking other people's sin and calling out sins that really aren't in our culture, sins that don't really cost anything because they're not our people. They're not, they're not the things that our people do. And, and they're not the things that our church does. And yet, like the, the Beatitudes say, um, Blessed are the, are the brokenhearted. Blessed are the pure in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. And, and then Jesus goes on to say, you're trying to take a speck out of your brother's eye, but you have a plank. And I just, I just think that the American church um, has a wealth problem um, because they... Um, because that is really what we worship. Um, it's what we really um, esteem to. It's what it's where we put our trust. Um, I mean, we put in God our trust, in God we trust on our money, but really we trust in the amount that's in our bank accounts. And I think that you would see a mass exodus if if a church was like, hey. I think we gotta. I think we gotta um, sell everything we have and live in community. I mean, can you see? Can you even just begin to hear like, "Oh, you guys want to be communist? 
Like you're in a living community. Everybody's, nobody owns something. Like, whew, that sounds like communism to me. And you go, oh, but, but what about Axe Floor? Well, I mean, I don't know about that. I mean, and that's, and I'm not even really, but I think if you had a church, so not really even, even I've been trying to push that. But I want you, I want us to think about that. Like this week, I just want to, I just want to think about the idea that if Jesus came to you and, and you said, Rabbi, teacher, you have the words of life. What must I do to inherit life? And Jesus said, go sell everything you have and then come follow me. How would you respond? And just like, like let it set in your heart. Go give up your, your, your degrees. Go give up your, your hard-earned job. Go give up the time that you've spent to get that level of respect and prestige. Throw it all away and come follow me. I, I think that it, that it would be extremely difficult. And the reason I think that is is because as, as a culture, I don't think we're fully convinced that what Jesus has is better. I think we're fully convinced that what Jesus has for death, what happens after we die is better, but I don't think that we're fully convinced that what, what Jesus has for us in this life is better than what we can do for ourselves, than what we, the money we can make. The, the, the houses we can buy, the cars that we can drive, the, the comfort that we can gain. I don't think that we're convinced that Jesus is just better. He's better because we're like, well, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to. That seems like a, a very poor choice. And heaven seems nice. So I love what Jesus has for me after death. But I'm okay, I'm comfortable with what I have now. I'm good with the money that I have now, with the stuff that I have now, with the prestige that I have now, with the, the vacation and the, and, and the friends and, and all of that that comes, that whole package, the children that I, that I could take, I, I, of the opportunities I, I provide for them. And Jesus said, ah, yeah, those are good. Those are good. But I want you to give it all up. You, he, came, he, came, he came to you. He came to me and he goes, hey, you can't have two masters. You can either love God or you can love money, but you can't serve both. He doesn't say you can't have money. He says you can't love money. I think that... Our culture um, loves money. It's what we worship. And, and, I'm, and I'm very much afraid that our church has fallen into a, the similar pattern. So that's the challenge this week. To think about that question. If Jesus were to show up in your life somewhere, random coffee shop, at your work, and you were like, oh, you know all things. You know the answers and he said oh yeah I know what you need to do you need to get rid of the things that you've put that, that you love more than me and you're like Jesus what is that and he goes you just 
go and, and go sell all your possessions and then and then take that money and give it to the poor, the undeserving, the ones that didn't earn it. And you come follow me and you'll have full life. What would you say? That's what I'm gonna do this week. I'm gonna I'm gonna contemplate that, think about that. What is it that Jesus is calling? What is it that Jesus is saying? When we think about sin, we love to look at the outside world and be like, don't be like them. But are we, do we, do we just follow him? Are we different? Are we any different? Our divorce rates aren't different. Is our greed any different? Is our materialism any different? I mean, where, where do we draw the line? What is it that Jesus is calling you to do? And who is it that Jesus is calling you to be? That's the challenge. Think about that this week. Meditate on that. Ask God to reveal that to you. And may you find blessing in that as you struggle through those topics. 